0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Mario Maston. For more podcasts and other resources, please visit www.vineyardportland.org. So, uh, you know, God has called us to something that he called Jesus to. And that's always a good thing. God has called us to something that he's called Jesus to. And God called Jesus to a ministry of compassion. Now, he called him to a lot of other things. But he called him to a ministry of compassion. And then Jesus called disciples, modeled for them a ministry of compassion, called them to it, and released them to do the same thing. And God has been doing that through the Holy Spirit for the last 2,000 years. And he will continue to, to do that up until Jesus comes again calling people into relationship with him and then giving, him the, giving them his heart of compassion and releasing them into a ministry that's characterized by compassion. That's part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The gospel records Jesus having compassion towards people both individuals and large crowds of people. And as he did that, he revealed the heart of his heavenly Father over and over and over again. When we answer the call to compassion, you and I, and all those that that name the name of Jesus, that follow him, that are Jesus' followers, when we do that, we're stepping into that same place of ministry that Jesus stepped into. Now, the text I'm going to read for today speaks directly to this. And it's in Matthew chapter 13, uh, 14, verses 13 through 21. And this is what it says. When Jesus heard what, what had happened, let me just say this uh, to put it in context. Jesus had just heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded at the instruction of Herod, who is the Judean king. He had just ordered John the Baptist to be beheaded. And Jesus had just received that news prior to the text I'm about to receive, uh, to read. And this is what it says. When Jesus heard what had happened, namely that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Have you checked out the time? It's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples. Notice this. He broke the bread, right, and divided up the fish. He offered it up to heaven. Then he gave it to the disciples, And the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 besides women and children. 5,000 men besides women and children. What is that passage in Jesus' compassion displayed here? Teach us, what can we learn about what it is that God wants us to do from this miracle where Jesus feeds thousands? This is often mistakenly referred to as the feeding of the 5,000. It was a very patriarchal society, so the focus is in on just the guys. But it's made clear in the passage, right, that it was 5,000 men besides women and children. There were probably ten or 15,000 people fed by Jesus. Not just 5,000 men. But in this miracle that Jesus performs, right at the heart of it, we're told that Jesus is stirred by compassion. First, he heals the sick that are brought to them. Then he feeds those that are hungry. And he calls his disciples into that ministry. They get to participate in it. They don't just observe it. God doesn't call us to be those who sit on the sidelines and observe. He calls us in to his ministry of compassion. What does that mean for us? The first thing that means this, we have to be moved. It says, when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them. I want to break that down for a moment. Something happened to Jesus when he saw the crowd in front of him after he landed. Matthew tells us he had compassion on them. The word compassion is the Greek word splatnizomai, and that word happens to mean to be moved inwardly with deep yearning. To be moved inwardly by deep yearning. And it's derived from another word that means, literally refers to the inward parts, the intestines. Which is symbolic of the emotions. or In other words, of the place of tender affection. So when Jesus saw those crowds, he didn't just give mental assent to what he was seeing. He felt something deeply inside of him. Right at the very core of him. Such that he was moved. To do something about what he saw. Here's Jesus. He's just heard about the death of John the Baptist. And the scripture tells us he withdraws to a solitary place. And I believe he did that to reflect, to grieve, and to seek the heart of the Father. In the wake of that news. He withdrew to a solitary place. He didn't want to be with people after he heard that. He wanted to be with his father. And the crowds followed him and when he saw them, he was deeply moved. He was moved viscerally at the gut level. This wasn't about a cognitive recognition of their need. This was something at the gut level that moved Jesus. So deeply was he moved that he didn't allow his private grief over the loss of John and all that meant at this point in his ministry to prevent him from meeting the public need and doing what the Father wanted to do in that moment for those crowds that had pursued Jesus. Remember, Jesus said he only did those things that he saw the Father doing. So obviously at this point, the Father wanted to move in compassion on those crowds to heal the sick, to meet their need, to feed them, To minister to them. To answer the call that Jesus answered means that we have to feel what God feels, and what God feels is a deep longing. That's what we're called to do, to step into that place of identification with him through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who's operative in our lives. We're to step into that place of deep longing, that will propel us into a ministry of compassion. It won't happen just with mental recognition of a need. We need to be moved deeply in our spirit. A longing to touch people with the love, compassion, and grace of Christ. The prophet Isaiah said this, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Before we can move out in compassion, we have first to have that compassion that will move us, that abounding love of God through the Holy Spirit that will propel us to meet the needs of others, whether it's an individual, whether it's a group of people, whether it's a a, a large number of people. Through the Holy Spirit, we get to identify with other people's pain. And the reality of being able to sympathize with them. We're told in other places in Scripture emphatically that we're supposed to do this. And I would submit to you we can't do that with, apart from the enabling of the Holy Spirit. We want to meet needs. We want to be able to deal With pain and facilitate the healing that God can bring. We want to resolve the plight that people are facing. I think before she shared her testimony this morning. Karen said that you know we're living in a a dark and broken world. But God is on the move. The Holy Spirit is working in the earth. The people of God are, are, are moving forward the mission of God. Stuff is happening. It may not be played out on your TV screens, but God is afoot. God is working in the earth. And he's working through you and me and all those that belong to Jesus. Through his people, through his church. So we need to be moved by the compassion of God. Otherwise, we're going to, you know, recognize the need. Cognitively, we might do something about it. Eventually, we'll burn out and eventually we'll check out. We need the sustaining, propelling, moving power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to move us. Secondly, we need to care. It says Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. The disciples said, Hey, it's getting late. They need to get out of here so they can go to villages, get some bread. You know, Jesus said, They don't need to go. You give them something to eat. You give them something. To, and the disciples, you know, it was getting late. They 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 I, I think they had a genuine concern, is the way I read it, for the people. They wanted them to be able to go and get some nourishment at the end of the day. It may also have been that the disciples were like, you know what, we'd like to eat too. It's been a long day here. Jesus, on the other hand, is emphatic and he comes to and he says. When it comes to these people, what the disciples should do. First, he says, get the crowd. Have them sit down, and then we'll give them something to eat. And here, I think Jesus is just revealing the caring heart of the Father. He knows that the Father really values what the Father really values. And Jesus values the same. And to answer the call to compassion... We have to also, we have to value what God values. And you know what God values? People. It's not institutions that God values. It's not bricks and mortar. It's not nice facilities. It's not big budgets. It's not, you know. What God values is people. That's the reason that Jesus came. We sang about this this morning. The reason that Jesus Christ came and laid down His His life on the cross of Calvary and bled and died was for people to reconcile every single person that would respond to Him in faith to their Father God who created them and through His Son Jesus redeemed them. That just means brought them back to Him. That's the essence of the gospel, that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he will come and live in us through the Holy Spirit, and we will be, as we sang this morning, children of God. We will be able to say, I am now a child of God, so I no longer have to live subject to a spirit of fear. That's the essence of the gospel. We are to value what God values, and what God values is people. Jesus' entire ministry was focused on and fueled by a love for people. We are here this morning, and we know Jesus if we do. And if you're here and you don't know him, you can know him today before you leave. You just have to put your faith in him. But we are here this morning because Jesus loves us and loved us. We love him, the scripture says, because he first loved us. Not because we decided, hmm. I'll love Jesus. He drew us with cords of love. His entire ministry was devoted to people. Ordinary, everyday people. Poor people. Oppressed oppressed people. People on the margins of society. You know who the the people that Jesus spent the least amount of time with? The cultural, religious, and political elites. Why? Not because he didn't love them. Jesus loves the up and outers just as much as he loves the down and outers. But because they did not recognize their need, they would not come to him. They had no time for him. In another place, Jesus said, he came for those that were sick because they recognized they need a physician. But if you don't recognize your sickness, you don't recognize your need for a physician, right? Right? So Jesus came for people, all kinds of people, but it's ordinary, everyday, poor, oppressed, marginalized people that Jesus came to. And the scripture says the common people, those people received him gladly because they recognized the merciful, loving, compassionate, gracious heart of God exhibited in the life of Jesus. He cared for people. This miracle of these thousands of people being fed demonstrates that compassion. And at the heart of that compassion is a deep care. Our compassionate God loves people. Jesus expresses this so well in another place. He's telling a parable about a great banquet. And this is what he says at one point. I'm not going to give you the whole context for it. But he says this. He's th- this guy is preparing a banquet. And he says at one point to his servants. Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the towns. And bring in the poor. The crippled. The blind and the lame. Go into the roads and the lines and comp- uh, lanes. And compel people to come in. So that my house may be filled. Filled with whom? With people Broken people in need that God in his care and compassion wants to reach out to and say come in. Be a part of my house. Be my people. Be in relationship with me because I love you. The third thing that we need to do if we're going to step into the ministry of compassion that Jesus has called us to individually and corporately is we need to act. It's not enough just to be moved in the depth of our being and to care. We have to translate that into action. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves. One way of thinking about compassion, and this is the way I think about compassion, is that it's love in action. It's love in action activated, having yearned deeply, having cared greatly, Jesus now acts decisively. Something takes place. Kingdom authority is now coupled with kingdom love to do kingdom work. And that's what God always wants of his people, to couple kingdom authority with kingdom love to do kingdom work. That is how we go about completing the mission of God. Jesus tells the disciples to bring the five loaves, the two fish that God has provided. He directs the people to sit down and recline, the posture of preparation for a meal, indicating that he had faith beyond what he could see that God would feed them, right? There's thousands of people here, maybe 10, maybe 15,000 people, men, women, and children. He has them sit down. He's got you know, a couple fish, five loaves. But he already has them in a posture, seated, ready to receive. That tells you that Jesus had faith that they were about to be distributed what they needed. And that they would be satiated by his Father in heaven. And he looks to heaven. And he prays and he gives thanks. He gives thanks before the miracle's even taken place. And there's a supernatural provision And he did, he aligned himself with what the Father was doing in the moment and the Holy Spirit came in and it became a reality. If we're going to embrace the call to compassion, we will do so to the extent that we do what God does and what God does is love in action. God never does just rhetorical love. He never just speaks about it. God always, his love is always activated. It's always in action. And that's what he's calling us to personally and corporately. God never just loves with compassionate feelings and caring words, even though he does both of those things. He always loves in action. He called his disciples, and as a church, he calls us to love in the same way. This is why when he gave the new commandment to love, and we talked about this some months ago, you know where Jesus said in John 13, a new commandment I give unto you, That you must love one another as I have loved you. And then the world will know that you're my disciples. Before he did that, he demonstrated in action what the love looks like. He got down and he washed the disciples' feet, right? And then following that demonstration in action of God's love, he then commanded them to go in the power of that and do likewise. In John's letter first letter, he says this in 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love in words or tongue, but with actions and truth. Genuine love, God's love, is always love in action. It's always activated. It's never just, as John implies here, words and tongue. It's always actions and truth. The call to compassion is the call to act, not to pontificate, not to assess, but to act with genuine love fueled by deep compassion. Lastly, I want you to see this, that we are called to bless. This is what Jesus said, then he gave Them to the disciples, the the, the loaves and the fish, they'd broken up. And the disciples gave them to the people, and they ate, and they were satisfied. There's a progression here. Jesus takes the provision. He offers it to the Father with thanksgiving. He breaks it. He gives it to the disciples. The disciples, in turn, give it to the people in need. The people in need are satisfied. They are satiated. They are touched by the provision of God. This miracle ends with Jesus giving broken bread and fish to these disciples. Notice that the disciples are the same guys who originally wanted to send the people away. So Jesus didn't do the whole thing himself. He didn't say, like, you guys just don't get it. Get out of the way. I'll break it and I'll distribute it. No, he said, don't send them away. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And then he took what they had. He prayed, broke it, blessed it, gave it to them. And then they distributed that blessing. I love that. That Jesus called them in to the act of compassion. He didn't write them off and say, you've missed the boat, guys. I'll have to do all this on my own. Just as Jesus gave what God gave to him, in terms of the loaves and the fish, we respond in compassion in the same way. We give what God gives us. And you know what God gives? God gives and always gives abundance. That's how God gives. Our God is not a sparing God. He doesn't give sparingly. He gives fully. Look, the gift of Jesus is the absolute example of that, that God gave his one and only son, right? John 3.16 tells us that God gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his one and only son. That's the extent of the way that God gives. God gives abundantly, not sparingly. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. Some translations render that abundant life. This is the way that God gives. And when we tap in to the compassion ministry of God and co-labor with Him through the Spirit in compassion, that's the way that we give. Not out of obligation, but because we are stirred. We are moved by the Spirit of God. Proverbs 22.9 says, A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. It doesn't say, A sparing, miserly man will be blessed. He says a generous man will himself be blessed. When you give, you are blessed. Not because you gave, but so that you can continue to give and be blessed. In other words, it's not kind of a quid pro quo. All right, so I'll give to God because really I just want to get more. No. We get to give. That's the principle of the kingdom. We don't get to keep. We get to give. We give away what it is that God has given to us. And that's true, not just financially, but that's true of our gifting, of our time, of our energy, of our commitment, of our relationships, of our families. This is a generosity rooted in compassion that Jesus demonstrated. We have been blessed by God in order to be a blessing. It's not theological rocket science. We have been blessed by God so that we can bless. We have received the compassion of God so that we can give it away. This is the way it works in the kingdom. It's not complicated. Jesus said when he sent out his disciples to minister the compassion of his healing grace and the power of the kingdom, he said these words in Matthew 10, 8. Freely you have received, freely give. And then he sent them out to do the stuff of the kingdom. So let me end with this. The call to compassion is a call to be moved, it's a call to care, it's a call to act, and it's a call to bless. The call to compassion is a call to embrace God's heart for people. And share it and that call will only be answered by you and me when we do those things when we are moved by God when we care when we act and when we bless that's not only true for us individually it's true for us collectively as a church two last things compassionate ministry stated as such is one of the five core values of the vineyard movement Got it on our website. You can see it on <coughs> the Vineyard National website. Compassionate ministry. And this is, this is how that is expressed. This is how this is articulated in the core values of the Vineyard. Compassionate ministry. We lean toward the lost, the poor, the outcast, and the outsider with the compassion of Jesus, knowing we are sinners who whose standing before God is utterly dependent on his mercy. This mercy can only be truly received in as much as we are willing to give it away. We believe that, that ministry in Jesus' name should be expressed in concrete ways through the local church. The poor are to be served as though we serve Jesus himself. This is one of the distinguishing characteristics of the church expressing the love of Christ in a local community. And finally, in fact, in all forms of ministry, compassion is the hallmark of the one who was moved with compassion in the face of human need. This being the age of grace and, quote, unquote, the year of the Lord's favor, compassion should constitute the leading edge, the leading edge of our service to God, each other, and our broken world. And with humility, we seek to avoid unauthorized judgments Realizing we suffer and struggle with the rest of humanity. That is the core commitment of the vineyard when it comes to compassion ministry. And in our own vision statement, we say we want to practice mercy and justice with compassion. This is our uh, local church vision statement. Reaching the unchurched in relevant ways that meet real needs. And we're committed to doing that. So every time we do an outreach in the community, and Chad spearheads that, Whether it's local in the square where we're giving backpacks to homeless people on the street with essentials that they need and offering to pray for them and love on them. Whether we're doing that, whether we're going to the Gorham House and visiting those that are there and receiving a blessing from them as well as being able to extend a loving blessing to them. Whether it's others here that go into Cumberland County Jail, into... uh, Wyndham Correctional Facility, and minister to those that are incarcerated with the love of Jesus. Whether we're doing our food pantry here on a Friday evening, where people are coming from multiple different cultural and ethnic backgrounds, many of whom are not Christian, many of whom are Muslim, and we are loving them, not just providing food for their bellies, but we're loving them. With the love of Jesus and holding out to them the hope of the one who is the hope of the world. Whether we're at Riverton Community doing free food or clothing giveaway. Whatever it is that God calls us to do as a church. Compassion needs to be the leading edge of our ministry. In order to convey the mercy and love of God to the culture in which God has placed us. Phil Strout said to me many, many years ago, and I've never forgotten this, among a bunch of other things he said that I've (laughs) never forgotten, some that I can't repeat. Um, But he said to me, Mario, and he got this from somebody somewhere else, but he always used to say this to me too. The first time you you hear it, you attribute it to the person you got it from. The second time, uh, you kind of say... uh, well, you reference that person and yourself, and the third time after that, it's yours and you own it. Um, but he used to say this to me, you know, Mario, people will always forget, people will forget what you say to them. They'll never forget how you treat them. And that's where compassion ministry comes in. We, we, we can say all the stuff, right? But how are we treating people? Are we giving away The compassion and love of God that we've received. When people receive that, man, it changes their lives. That's not to say we don't have to proclaim. There isn't a place for teaching. Of course, all of that's true. But it's going back to what John said. Don't love with word and tongue. Love with action and truth. This is what God has called us to do. We have claimed that we want to be as a church a people for the weak, the broken, and the poor because we recognize we are God's provision. We are those two pieces of fish and those five loaves to be broken and to be given for the sake of others, for the glory of God and for the advancement of His kingdom in the earth as He touches lives.